Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are a personal God. You're an intimate God. You know us so deeply. You know us better than we know ourselves. And God, as we prepare ourselves to hear from your word, we thank you that your word never returns void and it has transformative powers. Father, if we can accept and if we can um, let it sink in and let it touch what it needs to this morning. So God, I just pray for Andrew as he brings the word, Father, that you would remove distractions, remove anything that is not of you and cut away anything he doesn't need to say because God, you have a plan and a purpose for this morning and we thank you for the fruit that will come from this word. Amen. Thank you. I don't have to wipe the mic anymore. I can can start licking the railings again. It's awesome. (laughs) Love it. I don't know if you've heard this story, but um, a number of years ago, a Navy jet fighter plane shot itself down, right? Shot itself down. How do you do that? Over the deserts of Nevada while testing a new cannon mounted on its wing. The plane was flying at supersonic speeds, but the cannon shells were subsonic. Does that make sense? So what happened was crucial. The fighter actually ran into the shell it had just fired seconds before. The jet was traveling too fast. Our world pressures us into traveling too fast. And if we're not careful, we can shoot ourselves down. I don't think God started COVID, but I think as he does, all things work together for good. And if God was trying to tell us anything in the last two years, it was slow down. Have we learnt anything Because we just want to get running again, don't we? God invites us to be still and know him. And the benefits of doing this are significant. And I want to talk about them today. I've been in John chapter 15 a lot this year. Um, but this is only, there's kind of three parts to this. But it's all about slowing down and making sure we're connected to Jesus. And what actually comes out of that. Um, So on your seats, there's some handouts if you want to follow them and fill in the blanks or draw pretty pictures like my wife usually does. Uh, Whatever works for you to stay focused. Um, But my first point this morning is if, and I I just wanted these, sorry if they're tacky, but I wanted memorable points this morning so they rhyme, so sorry about that. Sometimes that's tacky, but if it sticks, it's like a bad ad, you know? It sticks in your mind, so it does the job. Down, down, prices are down, one of those. Psalm 91.1, the first point is, if you want real rest, I need to dwell with the best. Don't hang out with, you know, the wrong people. Unless you're ministering, unless you're ministering to them. And just a side note, if they have more influence on you than you are on them, you're not ministering to them. They're doing the bad company, corrupt, good character thing. So be discerning, hey? Psalm 91.1, he dwells in the shelter of the Most High. I love that. Most high. It means God. There's no one above God. You know that, hey? So why would you go to someone else or something else? He's the most high. We'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Just a few words here. The word dwells means to sit down. You notice that when we're um, agitated, we tend to not sit down. Stand up. We fidget. You know? God says, sit down. Sit down. To remain, to settle. The word dwell can mean to settle. 
to abide, to continue. When we get kind of funny, we, we leave the room, don't we? We leave the, you know, if Melissa upsets me, I leave the room. Don't know whether you're supposed to or not, but sometimes I leave the room. Can I get upset? We're meant to stay. Sometimes when God says stuff to us, we leave the room. We don't like what he's saying. But we're told to dwell. If we want to rest, we need to dwell. Shelter means covering or a hiding place. Or a sec- You ever have a secret place as a kid? Man, I had this tree in the backyard and I could climb to the top of that thing and my dad couldn't get anywhere near me. Not that, you know, dad was bad. But yeah, you, sometimes you want to be by yourself. No one understands me. <laughs> you know what? We have those feelings, hey. We may as well go to our secret place and dwell there so that we can hear the voice of God tell us we're not alone and find rest. So rest means, I love this, to lie all night. Do you ever had a bad night's sleep? So the rest God gives us is like when we go to bed at night, we fall asleep and we wake up the next morning feeling like a new person. That's the kind of rest the presence of God gives us. It's not that, you know, when the kids wake up every half an hour or, you know, won't go into all the old age issues you have when you've got to get up in the middle of the night. But you have a good night's rest. It's the kind of rest that that's talking about there. And the shadow, when we dwell with God, when we stay aware of his presence, when we walk with him, we can relax. We can truly rest because the Lord Almighty, the most powerful being and person in the universe, is our defense. As we've heard this morning, our provider. Um, I remember my, um, read this story, and I was a guy, and I don't know where I saw this, either TV, Facebook story, I don't know. This guy, you know, it's been a lot of rain lately. And so mushrooms pop up in your yard, right? Don't pick them and eat them. Right? This guy, he thought he was being clever, so he, you know, he just tested a little bit. You know, rubbed it on his skin, no reaction. So he just ate a little bit, ended up in hospital, right? But we used to eat mushrooms all the time that my grandfather picked, right? Because he actually knew which ones were the ones you could eat and which ones you couldn't. We trusted him. And, we, and, and my mum and dad were pretty conservative. My mum was a nurse, so she'd seen people come into hospital after eating all the wrong mushrooms, right? And so she was cautious, but we trusted my grandfather. I remember this time he had an old E.K. Holden and we're going somewhere, I think Gimpy to the race speedway or something, I don't know where we're going. And those old bench seats, you know, don't even have seat belts in the middle. And I'm sitting in the middle, right? God bless the 70s, we made it through. And I said, Papa, the speedo doesn't work. And he just goes, he's an old bushy guy, you know, he's learned to drive on a horse. And, And he goes, that's okay, sonny boy. We just feel how fast we're going. <laughs> well, you don't have a speedo on a horse, do you? But you know what? That was enough for me. That was enough for me. If Pop's got it, I'm okay. And when we come in 
to dwell in the shadow of the Most High, we realize Pop's got it. I'm going to be okay. And I can sleep at night. And I can walk around my day with an inner peace and an inner rest that the Bible says passes understanding. And people will see us walking and living out of that peace and rest and say, I want what you got. Second point this morning, for my strengths to stay great, I need to learn how to wait. Sorry about the tackiness. But for my strength to stay great, for me to stay strong. You know what happens when we run out of strength, we stop doing stuff. Well, that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to go back to God and get more fuel. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait upon the God, God get fresh strength. This word came up in the prayer meeting this morning. Interesting. Those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. Man, if you ever see me running, there's something chasing me. <laughs> right? And I've tried it. I'm a bit worried about having a heart attack. I've got to you know, walk briskly first and then work my way up to it. But it says, run and not get tired. Imagine doing your life and not getting tired. That's interesting, hey? We, it's actually achievable. They walk and not lag behind. I want to just go back and read a few verses from before, verse 31 in Isaiah 40. It says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? This is where... Isaiah was encouraging people to refocus. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. We feel like that sometimes, don't we? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. You're weary this morning? And increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strengths. The weary, the word weary there in verse 30 means exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Hey? Me too. <laughs> exhaustion because do you ever think God doesn't understand you? Man, He understands you. He understands you. And um, I love the fact that Jesus walked in the flesh because He, there were times Jesus suffered exhaustion because of the hardness of life. And we find that he went up the mountain to pray. He went to wait to have his strength renewed. To wait means to hope, to wait patiently, to rest. I love this, rest trustfully. You know, you've heard me say it before, while we're waiting, he's working. When we can't see nothing going on, we've got to believe by faith that God's busy. God's always busy. You know, because we pray, don't we? We don't see answers. We go, God, what are you doing? He says, I'm really busy. Just wait. <laughs> Haven't you heard him say that? Tune in. He's always working, his word says. He doesn't slumber or sleep. God doesn't need to sleep. So he gets heaps more done than us. We just need to wait. 
Rest trustfully. Expect him to come through. That's the faith part. To wait knowing that he will come through. Yeah, God, I can't see it yet, but I believe that you're hearing me. I believe you're going to come through. I believe you're going to do something. What are you believing for right now? Renew means not only to put a fresh, put on a fresh, but to keep putting on fresh strength. How good is that? Keep putting on. It's continuous. A strength brought about by transformation. That sounds good, doesn't it? Transformation. I think he cuts off half our baggage. That makes us less tired, doesn't it? If we let him. Like carrying around so much junk. A divine strength, the Lord's own strength. You ever done something in God's strength? And everyone goes, oh, that was awesome. You go, well, it wasn't me. <laughs> hey? Because you know, hey, you go, what was that? That's God in his power. There's so much more than what we can do. And you come away and you actually feel refreshed. You go, that's weird. You know what? If you're doing stuff that's not refreshing, maybe God never asked you to do it. Because I find when I do what God wants me to do, I come out and go, that's fun. I'm supposed to be tired, but I'm not. What happened? God happened. When we wait on the Lord, he renews our strength. I love this too. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. Where The word run represents the extraordinary demands of life. Hey? We're not meant to run, but sometimes in life we have to run. The extraordinary demands of life. When things go wrong, pear-shaped, fall apart. With God's strength, we'll be able to get through them. Walk represents the ordinary daily grind. Do you ever experience that too? The, Here we go again. Do I have to go to school? Don't have to go to work. So God gives us strength to get through the extraordinary demands of life and he gives us strength to get through the ordinary daily grind as long as we go to him and wait on him to get that strength. Yeah, I think sometimes what we do as Christians is we, um, like we run out of fuel. It's like running out of fuel in the car. But we don't have time to fill the car up so we push it down the street. Would you ever do that? I don't have time to put petrol in the car, so I'm just going to push it home. And we laugh, but that's what we do in our spiritual life. Don't we go, I haven't got time to spend with God. Too busy. But where are you going to get your fuel? You're going to push your car all week? No wonder you're tired. Does that make sense? Stop the car. We had a lady get saved. She was an awesome lady. She's gone to be with the Lord now. And um, she's a rough lady, rough Aussie lady, come in through our family store and started doing Christianity Explained classes and showed up at one of our friend's neighbor's days and got saved. Bails me up at the end of church, goes, oh, I guess I have to come every week now. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know. She was scary. I didn't know what to say. And God must have given me a word of knowledge right there and now. I said, well, how often do you take the car to the service station? Oh, when it needs fuel. Well, there's your answer. It's been a word of wisdom from the Lord. She'd come every Sunday. Because she understood she needed fuel. She joined a home group. She did her quiet times because she understood she needed fuel. 
And finally, I want my fruit to be, if I want my fruit to be fine, I need to stay connected to the vine. I worked hard on that. Give me a break. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. What that means is whatever we do in our own strengths is meaningless in the kingdom of God. When William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said it well, he said, spiritual work can only be done by those who possess spiritual power. We can be busy and we can do a lot of things, but no one's life's going to get changed unless we are connected to the vine. I love how the message translation puts John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, you got it there on your sheets, I think, the relation intimate and organic, hey? No legalism, no manipulation. Relational, intimate, organic. I caught up with a friend yesterday, and luckily he was on time because he's one of the friends you think I have trouble with punctuality. He's a guy that used to show up an hour late. Or an hour and a half late, you know? Awesome guy. And anyway, I'd be here for network yesterday afternoon. I said, oh, I'm normally free, but I'm not. And he's coming all the way from Bathurst to pick up something free found on Gumtree. He said, I'm coming up to the Central Coast. I'd love to catch up. And so he managed to get here by 11 o'clock. We sat and had coffee. And um, it's like we saw each other yesterday. Relational or the relation intimate and organic. You know, when I first met Pete, I was a student on the Salvos Discipleship School and I just fell in love with him when I saw him. And we got to share a room together for that 12 months and grow in Jesus together. And um, we've been friends ever since, the best man at my wedding. And I don't see him that often, but when I see him, it's intimate and it's organic. It reminds me of my relationship with Jesus. I don't feel under condemnation. I just can come to him and bring whatever I've got that day and it's just... Intimate and it's organic and causes there to be fruit. Um, The word abide here means to stay. We've looked at that already, to continue. I like this part, to be present. I think that's hard sometimes, isn't it? We open the Bible, we spend some time in prayer, and suddenly we're not present. You know, the Lord's speaking. You ever spoken to someone you know they're not listening? I wonder how often God experiences that. You know, I'm sure sometimes we sit down with God and He goes, Look at me. Are you looking at me? Listen. Because sometimes we're not present. We need to slow down enough to be present, to abide, to continue, to endure, to remain. They're all good words, aren't they? Here's a promise of high production. I know, I I like to get stuff done. Do you? I like to think my life's got a purpose, has an effect. This is how this works, right? I had a friend, or a friend of a friend, really, in Brisbane years ago when I was probably about 21. And my life was still a bit of a mess, really. But I was doing my best to follow Jesus. And this friend of a friend wrote me a letter about 12 months later and said, I don't know um, what it was about you, but it was you that caused me to want to become a Christian. And it was one of those moments where I wrote, well, I know it wasn't me. 
And that's how God bears fruit in our lives. Is when we stay connected to him in relationship, it just seems to just happen. We have an impact on people's lives without trying. Because it comes out of who we are. And people are impacted by that. I love, um, in his book, Absolute Surrender, Andrew Murray tells the story of a grapevine in Hampton Court, London, that some... Um, that at times would bear a couple of thousand bunches of grapes. Like the, the people around the neighborhood knew this was an amazing grapevine. And they go get grapes, this amazing um, fruit on this grapevine. And they, and they found out a bit later what happened was they discovered that the vine had stretched its roots hundreds of yards under the ground and found the River Thames. And in the rich slime of the riverbed had found rich nourishment and, of course, good moisture in the river. And as a result, there is an abundant harvest. But what I want you to hear this morning, right? Because Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And in this story, what did all the work? The branches or the vine? It was the vine that did all the work. The branches just had to stay connected. That's all they had to do. We have a God-ordained purpose in this life and we can only achieve it when we stay connected to Jesus. I want to ask you this morning if you feel like you're achieving the purpose for which God designed you, for which God designed you, and are you doing so to the degree that you believe you're meant to be? Are you seeing the fruit you thought you would see? Or God put by faith in your heart that you would see? If we want to bear fruit for God's kingdom, we need to abide in the vine. I'm not, oh, I forgot to do this. So I'm not sure we're going to have it there. Yeah, I haven't got a copy of it. Remember, I think I used it last year sometime. It's a thing I found in my counselling course with the red, green, blue. And for those who weren't here, they won't remember. You're not going to find that anywhere, are you? No. Sorry. Um, what it was, if for those who remember and for those who weren't here, I'll try and describe it, but it's, um, I was doing my prac last year and I was counselling a guy who was having trouble in his marriage and, um, and he was like in flight mode all the time, right? And his wife would, felt pressured by him, she'd go into freeze mode all the time, you know, that flight, fight, freeze kind of deal. So they had this kind of scale and on the bottom was like the green area where you're not in fight or flight. You know, we're just calm, we're chilled, having coffee. But then when something freaks you out, you go into fight or flight, you go into the red zone, right? And then if it gets totally overwhelming, you go into the blue zone, right? Now, what I found fascinating, what my supervisor said to me, well, they're not going to be doing relationship in the red or blue zone. Because we're in fight or flight or freeze, we, the relationship stuff in our, who we are doesn't work. We're in survival mode. We can't relationally connect. And so last year, I think I used that illustration in the context of connecting with people and being connected, right? But it was only as I was looking at this message, I thought, you know what? If God's relational and where this is a relationship deal, you know, doesn't that apply to our relationship with God? If we live in fight or flight or freeze mode, how can we connect with God? So we actually have to slow down enough and then allow his peace to come, 
right? Allow his peace to come. Let him remind us that we are safe. So we stay in the green zone and then we'll experience, I believe, the connection we're meant to connect. What an interesting lie of the enemy to cause us to be so busy running around that we don't have time to get the real fuel that we need. So what I want to do for our appeal this morning is um, there's a few things you can do. I want you to just think about, do I spend enough time with God? Right? Because it takes time. And, you know, I don't want to get legalistic about this, but I know, like, I only had an hour to spend with my mate Pete yesterday, but it was incredibly refueling for me. Right? That's an hour in the last two years. Right? So it, it's not about the time, but we need to spend some time. And so what I did a few years ago, because, you know, time management's been my weakness, right, over the years. So it's probably 10, 15 years ago. I thought, how many hours are there in a week? Does anyone know? Does anyone know? you either got to be good at maths or not off the top of your head. 168. Very good, top of the class. 168 hours in a week, right? If, if you want to make yourself feel bad, right, Last time you said, I don't have enough time, um, make yourself, this is what I did, I made myself a schedule of 100 every hour in my week, and I filled it out, even with eight hours sleep a night, right, and I found all this time, and I thought, what do I do with all that time? And then I didn't do this, glad I didn't do this, but like, just in the last couple of days, this was the other thought I had, right, because... You know, you give what God leads you to give, right? Time, talent, treasure. But if, you know, one, one you know, kind of gauge you can use is giving 10%. What's 10% of 168? 16.8 hours. Do we give God at least 16.8 hours of our, oh, that's too much. I can't afford to stop at the fuel station. You know where I'm going, eh? So on the mercy seats, if you want to use them, are some of these sheets, if you want to scare the life out of yourself and be accountable to yourself. I'm not going to ask you to hand it in. I'm not going to ask you to hand it in next week or anything. But this is for you to freak yourself out and come before God and say, you know what, God, you've given me. And this is the scary part, right? When we stand before the Lord, he's going to say, what did you do with all the time I gave you? What do you do with the talents? What do you do with the money? But what do you do with the time? And next time you say, God, where are you? He'd probably say, I'm here. Been waiting for you. And so on the seats, there's some youth devotionals there for the youth guys. There's some daily breads there. If you don't use them, you can use them. You can take them if you want. But really, it's just a symbol to say, hey, I encourage you to slow down. This is something I've done just this week, right? I used to take my phone. The problem with phones, everything's on them, right? So my Bible app's on them, my devotional app's on them, my, actually my journal from my prayers is on them. And so I'd, I never used to have my phone by my bed because, but then, you know, I can read the Bible. I can scroll through Facebook at 10.30 at night <laughs> like a moron. You know, what I've started doing this week is I just plug my phone in at the study and now I have to read a book. Funny that, I have a Bible and Christian books next to my bed and I read this verse 
I never read it before. The, it was a Passion Translation. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 63. I just felt God say, read Psalm 63. I was like, oh, okay. So I had the Passion Translation next to my bed. I opened this verse and it said, and this verse I'd never read in this translation before. So I can feel his grip on me. And I just went to bed thinking about that and went to sleep and had an amazing night's sleep. Now, if we just slow down, if we just get rid of some of the distractions, who knows what God, we might hear God say, what he might do, what power, peace, fruit we might experience in our lives. As I invite, um, what are you guys doing for the appeal song? Can we do communion? Sorry. I just, um, Nate didn't even know what I was preaching on. He always has a theme and then I change it. I'm really sorry about that. But when I heard this song, Communion, this morning, I just thought, this is the right song for this morning. And I want you to really hear the words and engage with this song. And um, come and kneel and pray. Come and stand for prayer. Come and grab something. Um, but engage with the words of this song and say, Lord, show me, even give me some wisdom right now by your spirit, how I can, if I need to, how I can slow down to connect with you, to be renewed. And um, just use this time. It's going to be benefit to you and him, hey? Eh?